A hole in a desert in the middle of Yemen may lead a clue towards a deeper conspiracy. A couple of boys are walking around their neighborhood looking for a Goonie-esque adventure. Instead, they stumble across some old Halloween decorations. And then we meet ourselves as we come face to face with the doppelganger today on Dead Rabbit Radio. Welcome back to another episode of Dead Rabbit Radio. I'm your host, Jason Carpenter. I'm having a great day. I hope you guys are having a great day, too. Eleven episodes left until the end of season 14. Uh, That's another way to say that, is I have 11 more episodes left to record before I can go on vacation. I am trying to pack them in. I'm not not rushing them. (laughs) I'm not rushing them. But I have to do as many as I can while the weather is good, because this weekend's going to be a scorcher. Speaking of scorching, I don't really know if this is a segue. I don't know if he enjoys fire. But coming into Dead Rabbit Command right now is our one of our legacy Patreon supporters, Dennis Currykov. Everyone give a round of applause to Dennis. Everyone do this. Do what I'm doing. Make the sound of your two hands hitting each other. Uh, Dennis, you're going to be our captain, our pilot of this episode. If you guys can't support the Patreon, I totally understand. Just help spread the word about the show. Really, really helps out a lot. Also... Drink, drink plenty of fluids. I'm giving you that advice now as well. And also, let's take a look at our fan art Friday for today. This is actually another piece of art we used to use a lot in rotation from Smashers 25. It's a really cool take on the Dead Rabbit logo. Thank you so much, Smashers 25. Really, really appreciate it. Denise, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the Jason Jalopy. We're going to leave behind Dead Rabbit Command. We are going to find a freeway somewhere that drives us all the way from Dead Rabbit Command to the country of Yemen. I don't know why, I don't know why I'm doing a story that takes place in a desert. I don't know what I'm thinking. Everyone picture, picture you're here right now. The scorching sand underneath your feet. The blistering wind brushing against your cheek. I'm I'm fully in an air-conditioned bubble, but you guys are walking through sands getting in your eyes. I'm like, ha, 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 ha. Me and Denise are totally encapsulated in this air-conditioned bubble. We're in the Al-Mahara Desert in Yemen. There's this hole in the desert. It's about 98 feet across, estimated to be between 300 to 800 feet deep, but they don't know for sure. It's just a hole in the middle of the desert. Salu Bobher. He's the Director General of the Mahara Geological Survey and Mineral Resources Authority. He said that this hole is quite odd. Here's a quote from him. We noticed strange things inside. We also smelled something strange. It's a mysterious situation, unquote. This is all the hallmarks of stuff we cover on this show all the time, so why aren't I more excited? Why am I spending more time laughing at the fact you have sand in your eyes? Super hot sand. No, I'll hop in the bubble. You can get a little air conditioning too, but how come I'm having more intro? How come I'm doing more of an intro than I'm, it seemed very, very lackluster with this story, right? I think you guys picked up on the tone. This hole's been here for millions and millions of years. It's not new. So, I mean, sure, it's a smelly, deep hole. But it's been smelly and deep for millions of years. Mysterious, right? There are a lot of legends of it. Locals don't go near the hole. 
they actually consider it cursed. They think if you go too close to the hole, it'll pull you in. Photographers apparently have tried taking pictures near the hole, but the article says, this is from the Associated Foreign Press, by the way. This isn't from some wackadoodle news site. This Associated Foreign Press is running this story. And we're building to something. If you're thinking, Jason, you're, you, normally you're jiving on this stuff a little bit more. You're not rushing these episodes, are you? No. This story is infinitely more fascinating than a hole in the ground. Stick with me. I think I've earned your guys' trust over 701 episodes. So stick with me. It's been there for millions of years. The locals refuse to go near it. The locals actually refuse to even talk about it. They're scared of this big black hole in the middle of the ground. They actually think it's the home to Jinn. They're home to these evil spirits. And that's what's causing the odors to come out of the hole. Oddly enough, this should be kind of a nice thing. I mean, it is in the middle of the desert. It's not like a city right next to it, but birds live in the hole. So that means that the gas, whatever it is, is not noxious. They can see birds kind of fly in and out of the hole. So there must be some sort of nest around there. I don't think they're like, I don't think they're like pretty blue jays. I don't think they're stuff from a Cinderella cartoon. They're probably like hideous vultures waiting to eat you, but birds nonetheless. Now, I saw that article. I saw that article originally pop up on Coast to Coast AM's website, which I visit every single day. And I thought that's really interesting. But, you know, I don't usually just take one source. I kind of poke around, and so I started looking at this, and I found three other articles, all published within 24 hours of each other, all word-for-word word exactly the same, Associated Foreign Press. I saw one on fizz.org. It's not a soda website. Fizz.org. It's a mainstream science site. Fizz as in physics. France24.com. It's a French news site. Uh, news.co.au. It's an Australian news site. They're all running the same article word for word, but they're all Associated Foreign Press. So if you're not familiar with it, a lot of newspapers don't have a whole team of journalists. They'll get wires. You have the Associated Press, you have the Associated Foreign Press, and those are the journalists that are out writing articles. And, and then other newspapers subscribe to them, basically, and then they publish that article in their newspaper on their website. So you can't have a journalist in Yemen, especially just to cover this whole, they're like Clark Kent. You need to go cover this whole thing right now. Most newspapers couldn't cover that. So it, it makes sense that all these newspapers are running the exact same article word for word. Why, though, is my question. Why? Because the hole's been there for millions of years. There's no new activity with it whatsoever. It's not breaking news. It's just a hole in the ground. It's not going anywhere. <laughs> Literally, it's just a hole in the ground. When I read this article on the Coast to Coast AM website, they always cover weird stuff. But when I started seeing this article pop up on all these mainstream sites, and it's not breaking news, why? Why are they publishing it now? And it reminded me of an episode I did a while back called There Is No Conspiracy, where I got contacted by a listener who will remain unnamed and said that they had a conspiracy that conspiracy theories are actually used to pass on insider information for stock market stuff. When he presented a little bit of proof that would show that it, it can be correct. And the theory is, is that when you see a conspiracy theory pop up where it's talking about you will eat bugs, eat bugs, that's really, they're not really trying to get people to eat bugs. What it means is that someone at a company who has stock in bugs, <laughs> in, in ants, in Ants Inc., they know that their stock's going to go up. And so they start this conspiracy theory, and then other people know to invest in these bug-based businesses. That's the theory behind the conspiracy theory. There is no conspiracy theory. 
and you start to see conspiracy theories pop up about microchips in your arm, that means someone's actually saying, hey, now's the time to invest in a new chips coming out. If you see a new chip coming out, Intel's coming out, that's going to blow up. And it, that's basically the idea behind this. Very, very interesting way to look at it. Because it'd be the perfect way to spread information and people not know what you're actually trying to say. Lunatics will just believe it and they won't even question it. They'll run with it. But the people who the information is really there for sees it. And actually, that's kind of the plot. I've talked about this movie before. That's kind of the plot of Under the Silver Lake, which I highly recommend watching that movie. Under the Silver Lake is just brilliant. But so what does this have to do with the hole in the ground in Yemen? It's a test. It's a test. There's a couple things going on here. One is it's a puff piece written by the Associated Foreign Press. And it's a fun little story that they knew would get traction because people do like hearing about weird stuff. People really, really do. So it's just that. The other thing, the other theory is this theory. There is no conspiracy theory. I'm putting this out as a test. Let's see if something... And now this isn't like predictive programming. This isn't like predictive programming. I'm not saying there's going to be an earthquake in Yemen. I'm not saying there's going to be a disaster or a civil war. There is currently a conflict going on over there right now. I'm not saying anything like that. Predictive programming is it's a made-up thing that started like... at The earliest example... Predictive programming... I don't want to go into it. I go into it all the time. Supposedly, the Illuminati has to tell you what they're going to do before they do it, but no one can find an example before the Titanic. And then there's really no examples between the Titanic and the Simpsons predicting 9-11. There's no predictive programming of the rise of Hitler. There's no predictive programming of the, the fall of Saigon. There's no, you know what I mean? Like, there's all these other events. There's no predictive programming of the bombing, uh, like the Lockerbie bombing. There's no predictive programming of the, the, all this other stuff. So anyway, I'm not, this is what I'm saying. It's not predictive program. Predictive programming is a made-up thing to explain why when you watch a show when you're stoned, it reminds you of a terrorist attack or something that happened four years earlier. I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about economic. I want to see if something happens in Yemen that is a massive economic boom. A diamond mine is found. Oil-rich area is discovered. That's what we should look for. Because this is a good testing thing. This is a bizarre article just pop up and get published in these newspapers. Nothing new has happened. Nothing happens in the story. Nothing changes. So why are they reporting it now? Let's see if there is some sort of big economic windfall for Yemen or companies in Yemen. So I wanted to get this story out as soon as I could because I thought that would be a cool little test, right? And if it's nothing, then then that's fair. That's fine. But again, it's not predictive programming. We're looking at economic increases in companies in Yemen, resources in Yemen, etc. Let's see, you're like, you're already having to subscribe to a Yemen newspaper. You're like, dude, I can't even read. I can't even read Yemenese, whatever, whatever language it is. Well, you will learn. We'll learn the language together. Denise, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the oars to the dead rabbit row, but we're going to take a nice, long, watery journey across the ocean. We're headed back to the United States. Specifically, we're headed to Norman, Oklahoma. Splash. Splash. We're getting nice, cool seawater in our faces. Dolphins are blowing water out of their blowholes. <laughs> That's kind of disgusting. It's all body temperature. We're like, ah. But anyways, they follow us all the way to Norman, Oklahoma. There's a giant river that leads there. We're headed to the Twisted Oaks Apartments. That's the perfect name for a spooky, spooky place. In Norman, Oklahoma, it's March 28th, 2004. 
If you're from this area, you probably know this story. I'd be shocked if you didn't. This has all the makings of a perfect urban legend, but it's 100% true. A group of children from Twisted Oaks Apartments are having a little goony day. They're out doing goony stuff. They're walking through a wooded area around the complex. They normally don't go out this far into the woods, but it's an adventurous day. It is March 28th. Everyone knows in Norman, Oklahoma, that's the most adventurous day ever. There's a group of the kids. They range from age 6 to 16, and they're just kind of tromping through the woods looking for adventure. And as they're walking, one of them sees a bone laying on the ground. That's not a bone, you numbskull. That's some sort of prop. Well, I mean, it might, it might be a prop. It's shaped like a bone. I'm going to carry it with me. I'm going to pretend I'm a caveman. I'm going to be non on this prop. I'm going to be non on this fake bone for the rest of the story. And they're like, what? The story? The kid gives a little wink at the camera because <laughs> he knows what's coming. And he's still non on this prop. Nom, nom, nom. They're walking through this forest and they see a tree up ahead. And sure enough, there is a Halloween prop there. It's half of a human body hanging from a tree by a chain wrapped around its neck. And it's just slowly swaying in the breeze. Now it's March. Halloween was a long time ago. But this is farther off into the woods, so they figured someone must have been pulling a prank. They got this Halloween decoration. The reason why they know it's a Halloween decoration, it's not a real person. They can tell that. Because it's just dried and, like, crumbly. Just swinging there. The lower body is gone. It was just from the waist up. And they could tell it was of a woman. But just a prop. So the kids figure, you know, it's a shame that this disgusting thing is in the middle of nowhere. Let's take it back home and start scaring people with it. Because it is quite terrifying. Like, this is a really good effect but it's not a human body right it is dried up the skin is all crinkly it seems fake but it's not it actually is the body of a missing woman but they don't know that they just think they just think it's a very very realistic halloween prop they go dude let's take it home this will be so funny well it's going to scare people with it so they are able to get the chain off of the branch And they're now dragging half of a woman's body across the forest floor. They get to the apartment complex and these kids, some of the kids at this point are kind of thinking, I don't know, those eyes are a little too realistic. And the fact that there's a ghost floating behind us, warning us, I'm out. One of the older kids actually was like, I'm pretty sure that's a real person. And they started making fun of him. They're like, loser, loser. And he, he's like, oh, you call me a loser all you want. I'm not going to be an accessory to this crime. He went and he called the police. But these kids are dragging this body through the apartment complex. No one's saying anything. They drag it by a pool. They drag it by a pool. People are just swimming. And they're dragging it. And then finally a parent comes out because she had seen them through the window. And she was like, what in the world's going on? And she came out and she screamed. She immediately realized that this was a real human body. One of the kids was quoted as saying, because he was like, golly, it's a real body. That, that wasn't his quote. That wasn't his quote, right? This didn't take place in Mayberry. But he goes, when he found out it was a real body, he was saying, uh, I was about to take it home. This was his master plan. He was going to take home this Halloween prop he found in the middle of nowhere. He was going to take it into his house. 
he was going to put it in his mom's bed and cover it up with a blanket. So when his mom would come home from a hard day at work, she's like, oh, it's so hard being a mom raising those kids. But I love them all, especially my oldest one. He would never break my heart. And then she would go and she would throw open the blanket and there would be a human corpse. That's so gross. And that's an amazing prank. But the jokes end here. They probably shouldn't have been anywhere in this story, honestly. The jokes end here because when the police show up, they are able to take this body back to the morgue. They have the coroner take a look at it, and they find out who it is. It was a real missing woman six months earlier, in September of 2003. Six months. Anna Marie Atkinson, 27-year-old woman, left a suicide note in her journal and walked out of her house. Her journal was found by her family. They immediately called the police. They are calling her friends. Everyone begins looking for this woman. They can't find her anywhere. And in the search for Anna Marie, because, you know, you want to help them, police are reviewing surveillance footage from the area. They see Anna Marie. This is the last time she was ever caught on video. She was seen walking out of a Walmart. She had just bought a length of chain. Then there was a bit of a communication. The search was actually called off in just two days. Because someone had told her... Because this was, you know, when you're 27 years old, it's really hard for the missing people thing. Because you figure, you know, the daughter was from another town. And she was, like, I guess visiting the area. She was visiting her parents. And she might have just went back to another town. And the mom and the family was getting reports that, no, Anna Marie's fine. She is back in her other town that she's at which was like an hour or two away and the mom told the police well i think anna marie's safe because she's been reported sighting in the town where she lives as well so the police called off the search because although she was a suicide risk it's much harder to locate adults because sometimes adults just leave sometimes adults do just walk out on their family they just walk away so what are you going to do? You can't make them come back. Well, same thing if you walk out on your family, if you're primary breadwinner, you could have to pay child support. But I mean, you can just leave. And that has happened. The police have been like, hey, you're a missing person. They're like, well, I don't want anyone to find me. So buzz off. But it was never confirmed. It was never confirmed that she was in Ponca City. That was the nearby city she was reportedly. And it was never confirmed. And it turns out that she had most likely hung herself Shortly after she'd bought that chain, she'd walked out into the middle of the woods and climbed up a tall tree and hung herself and just swung there day and night, drying up, falling apart, till a couple boys on a adventurous afternoon found her. Creepy story. Creepy story. Tragic ending, obviously. You would want it to be either... A prop, right? <laughs> if it was just a prop, or not a suicide, right? I mean, it would be. It would also be. It's like, oh no, it was a homicide. It was like, oh, that's much better. But you know what I mean? Like, it's just tragic story all around, and it has all the makings of an urban legend. Like, if if that news if that article wasn't published in the newspaper, it was published in a local paper called the Oklahoman. I wouldn't. I, I. It's not that I wouldn't have believed it, but I would have been suspicious. And if my older brother had told me that story, I, I would have believed it as a child. But as an adult, I wouldn't have. It's too far fetched. How do these kids think that this human body that has a perfect intestines hanging out of it? Because I've seen a lot of intestines, and I can tell a perfect one from a fake one. 
But no, it's true. It's true. It's not an urban legend. It's quite terrifying. Quite terrifying and quite tragic. So let's go ahead and move on to our next story. Our next story that's not so bummy. Unless you're scared. Unless you're scared of the supernatural. Which is probably why you listen to this show. Denise, I'm going to go ahead and toss you the keys to the world-famous carpenter copter we are leaving behind. Twisted Oaks Apartments. We are headed out to a small town in Britain. We've talked about doppelgangers before. I've shared my own doppelganger experience, I believe, on the show. But I'm going to share it again because after over 701 episodes, I can never find it. And I can't expect you guys to listen to it interesting story i ran into my doppelganger once and i'm not saying just a dude who looked like me walking on the street i was living in these apartments off of antelope what was it was it antelope in uh sunrise it's over by the jack in the box <laughs> i don't know that i don't know that area i don't even know if the jack in the box is still there i used to live in this apartment complex off of uh sunrise and antelope out in that area I remember once, it's kind of a short story. This was when I was seeing a lot of paranormal stuff. I was actively ghost hunting. I remember one time I came home from work. Trying to remember where I worked. Circuit City. I don't think I was at Godfather's Pizza at the time. But I was coming home from work. Maybe I was coming home from a party. Doesn't matter. The point is, is I wasn't at home and I was going there. It's probably like not that late at night. Maybe 10, 11 o'clock at night. I remember I walk into my apartment. It was just a nice little apartment. It was my first apartment. It had the couch right there. So when you open the door, you saw the couch, and then you could look down the long, spooky hallway, and to your left was this little kitchen. And to your right was this big living room for a apartment with this blue and white couch. And I opened the door of my apartment, and everything seemed fine. It wasn't, like, high or anything like that. Open the door to my apartment, and I'm sitting on the couch already. It's me, sitting on the couch, wearing the same clothes I'm wearing. And I look at him, I look at me, and he, and me looks at me. We're looking at each other. And there's, it's weird, because looking back on it, it's not like there is, I don't know if I would describe it as a fight-or-flight instinct. It was just an a, there was a feeling There was something going on there. And I remember I walk in the door and I see me sitting on the couch wearing my clothes and he stands up and I instinctively begin to walk towards it. I feel like I want to fight it, but I didn't have any sort of anger or fear towards it. At least I don't remember those feelings. And I get up and I walk towards him and he's walking towards me. And then I don't remember what happens. (laughs) Sorry, sorry. You're like, seriously, Jason? He spent more time talking about Jack in the Box. He spent more time talking about whether or not Jack in the Box is... That's the end of your story? I don't remember what happens. I remember we got up and... I woke up in bed next to myself. I'm like, ooh, la, la. No, I don't remember. Like, But it was my doppelganger, and it was in my house. And it's so funny, because every so often, it's not a fear. But when I'm coming home... When I go to open the door, I think, what if I'm in there already? I just had that sensation the other day. What if I'm in there already? What would I do? And the thing you've got to think about is how common is this? Double, it's funny because when I, I've, I kind of flipped back and forth about covering this on the show. The reason why I wanted to talk about it was I found two really cool doppelganger stories on Reddit. 
And I was like, oh, those are really cool. But then I thought doppelgangers as a concept is so, it's it's a very, very well-known paranormal event. I don't really cover stuff about black-eyed kids unless I can find a cool angle on it. Like, I've never done an episode about the infield haunting. This is such a well-known thing. And I thought, well, doing the doppelganger story, if I tell these doppelganger stories, what am I adding to the lore? Let me tell these stories real quick, because I do think I have an interesting twist on them. In the United Kingdom, there was a Reddit user named Baked Troop. Let's call her Jennifer, and if that's her real name, it's just a stab in the dark. It's the last week of school, and Jennifer has nothing but summertime on her mind. She's ready to get out of this place. But, you know, she still has to go to school. She still can't leave early. She's walking around. She's walking her house. She's getting ready for school. She sees her dad. Her and her dad are trading quips. Ha ha ha! Doing finger guns and stuff like that. Sorry, it's in England. Doing finger knives because guns are illegal. I think knives are pretty much illegal, too. She's just joshing with her pops. She walks out of the house, and she hops on the bus because her friend's like, Hey, Jennifer, aren't you glad this is the last week of school? You bet, Andy. And they're driving on this bus. And they're going to school, and she gets a message from her mom on her phone. Doodle-loop. And she looks at her phone, and her mom goes, Did your dad drop you off yet? Jennifer's kind of confused here, because last time she saw her dad, her dad was just hanging out of the house. She messages her mother back, Uh, no, dad didn't drop me off. Uh, I'm actually with Andy. We're actually off the bus now. We're walking into school. So I'm on time, but uh, no, dad didn't drop me off. This confuses the mom. She says, Jennifer, you got to ride with dad. I know you got to ride with dad. I know it for a fact because I saw you in the van with him. I saw the family van drive down the street. Dad was driving. You were looking out of the passenger side window and you waved to me. At this point, Jennifer's getting really uneasy. It's not like her mom to play a prank. Making her really uneasy because she knows that's factually incorrect. She starts to think, well, you know, I do have siblings, but none of them look like me. Couldn't be a mistake. What in the world could have happened? But she tells her mom, listen, I took the bus. It must have been a mistake. It wasn't me. Later, a friend of the family is talking to Jennifer's mom, and she goes, oh, my God. It's so nice to see your family just doing doing family stuff. They're not doing finger knives at each other anymore. I saw your husband and little Jennifer at the Costco earlier today, just sitting there having a meal like a father and a daughter should. It's the last week of school, but they're still spending time together. The mother goes, Jennifer told me she took the bus to school. And the friend goes, oh, why? I mean, no, I went and I saw both of them. I saw your husband and your daughter Jennifer at Costco, and they were eating, and Jennifer turned to me, And she waved. When Jennifer gets home, she hears this story as well. And now both her and her mom are confused. And this is one of those stories like, would you be scared? It's not, there's nothing menacing going on. And you could keep saying, maybe they saw something else. Maybe they saw something else. Maybe they just saw a Jennifer-shaped object. Maybe it's a cardboard cutout with an automatic waving arm. It's not that this person is necessarily threatening, but it's alarming. So they wait for dad to get home because he would know. He would be able to to clear all this up. Dad gets home and they go, hey, um, honey, 
settle a bet for me. <laughs> settle a bet and tell me whether or not I'm insane. Jennifer's saying that she got on the bus and went to school. And the dad goes, oh, he, she did. She w- got on the bus and go to school. Jennifer's like, yeah, that's pretty much what I thought. And the mom goes, but, but I saw Jennifer in the car with you. And he goes, Jennifer was in the car with me. Now they're both confused. This is the story that dad tells. As I was leaving the house, you wanted a ride in the van. So I gave you a ride in the van. And since it's the last week of school, we went to Costco and we had a nice little meal. And we saw that friend. We saw that family friend that Jason did not name earlier. So she's just a friend. That's her name. That's what her parents named her. Then you said, I want to take the bus with my friends. So drop me off here and I'll walk and I'll get on the bus and I'll go to the school with my friends on the bus. So you did take the bus to school, Jennifer, but we went to Costco. We went and had a nice little meal. And Jennifer's looking at her dad and says, that didn't happen. That didn't happen. I never went out with you to Costco. I just got on the bus and left. The dad says that Jennifer, she normally loves to play the music really, really loud in the car. And it was odd that the drive was a little more quiet than normal. That you seemed to just stare out the window as we were driving down the road. But Jennifer, that was you. We went and had a nice little breakfast. And then I dropped you off and you ran to the bus. That is a doppelganger story is very interesting because we have people who are intimately involved with the... What would even be the term? Victim? Like, who is the victim? Is it Jennifer who's being replaced? Is it the dad who's being fooled? And this is a... It's it's an interesting story because there are no stakes to this story, right? It's not, let me in. I'm your mother. But mother, you're standing in here. No, that's the fake one. Let me in. So the twist ending, neither of them were his mother, and they were a team of serial killers. You know what I mean? There's no stakes to this. This doppelganger just got a free breakfast. So what was going on here? And you have four different witnesses to a singular event in different places. Different angles. Really, really interesting doppelganger story. Again, it's not just I was walking through the woods and I saw myself. Which, which I'm not discounting that. That's quite terrifying. But something at a distance, a singular... Like even my story, right? You could say, Jason, you're having some sort of mental breakdown. You could do all... Which is possible, right? Not every human being, his brain works 100% of the time. In, in the right way that it should. So it's an interesting doppelganger story because it's broad daylight... We have multiple witnesses. It all takes place in a short period of time, and the stakes are so low. But let's travel to another destination. This one's unknown. I have a feeling it's in Britain just because the name of the person. But this is actually posted by another Reddit user called EveningAd2718. But they actually give their real name, Gemma. Sounds like a British name, right? Gemma, we're in her house. It's early in the morning. She's a young, pregnant woman. Got a little baby growing inside of her. And she's actually staying home from work because she's almost due. She's not going to go out having a job. But her partner's at work. He's out earning the bacon and she's at home with a bun in the oven. <laughs> I realized, just realized how hungry I am. One morning, 
he's off to work. And she's laying there in bed. She's just kind of waking up. And she hears him in the room. Kind of just laying on her side. And she's thinking, that's weird. He should already be at work. (laughs) I'm a bit of a slave master. I have a clock. I keep track of where he should be. She can just tell he should be at work by now. But she hears his slippers walking around the bedroom. She hears his voice as well. It's not just that the cat got a hold of his slippers. She hears him talking and she describes it as it sounded scripted. Everything he said was the way you would expect someone to talk in the morning. It didn't seem to have a soul to the words. Good morning. How are you feeling? Her boyfriend says as he's moving about the house. Gemma, can you hear me? That's actually kind of the creepiest one. I'll be in the shed. Call me if you need me. She's laying there and she knows he's not in the house. But she's hearing his voice. She can't see him. She's just laying there, but she can hear this voice talking. She's laying there, and she notices something. They're cats. Whenever he talks, because it's not just one long sentence. It doesn't say all that stuff at once, apparently. Like, it's a conversation that only he's having. But when he talks, she can see the cat's ears twitch. Like, they're hearing it as well. But they're having no other reaction. They're not reacting like there's some sort of hostile presence in the room. Then she hears his voice start to change. It starts to make weird noises. Then it sounds like her boyfriend is right behind her in bed. It's the morning. But she hears his voice right in her ear. Good night, Gemma. And then a force pushes against the back of her head and begins to smother her into her pillow. She begins to fight against this invisible force, and for a few seconds, she's losing that battle. But then... (gasps) She sits up, and other than a few cats, she is alone in the house. That was actually posted on the Ghosts subreddit, and she says, I think I have a mimic in my house. It doesn't fit the idea of what we think of when we think of as a doppelganger. A doppelganger is a physical representation of a person. If it was just a voice, you could chalk it up to another phenomenon. The fact that it put physical pressure on her is why I wanted to include it in the doppelganger story today. And this one is sinister. And it's sinister for not only because it tried to kill her. That's kind of the definition of sinister, right? But she got a sense that it wasn't her husband. And isn't that what a doppelganger really is? It's something that is us, but not us. Ghost is a ghost. Demon's a demon. Demon can imitate a passed-on loved one. But a doppelganger is something that is trying to fool you while you're alive. And the question is, this is really my thing. We're going to pull back here for the minutia of these two stories. And my own experience. How often does this happen? How often does this happen? 
There's an interesting thing. I'm going to put it in the show notes, but I'll try to describe it briefly. It's called the Charlie Chaplin test. Some of you guys have probably seen this. It's just a Charlie Chaplin mask, like a Halloween mask, not like a full head cover, but like an old cheap mask you would buy back in the 80s to just cover the front of your face. You're watching this this amazing video to watch. I mean, obviously, if you're driving your car, don't watch it right now. But it's a, it has a Charlie Chaplin mask, and it's rotating 360 degrees on this metal pole. And you watch it, and it's rotating, it's rotating. And you're looking at the front face of Charlie Chaplin. But as the mask turns around, and now you're looking at the concave version of it, it becomes 3D. It becomes a different face, and instead of the nose poking out it's poking in and it's turning now in the opposite direction it's doing none of those things it's doing none of those things the mask is turning 360 degrees but once you can't see the normal facial features and you're seeing the inside of the mask the your brain your brain cannot comprehend a face moving with a nose pointing in it's impossible. So it makes you see the nose pointing out, makes you see this hollow face appear 3D towards you and moving in the opposite direction because your brain simply cannot process that information. And you can watch this video over and over and over again. The second the mask, the front of the mask disappears, it goes, rotates out of your vision, it turns the opposite direction. You can't visualize something that your brain doesn't understand. And that is the key to so much paranormal stuff. You will see stuff in your life. You have. I can guarantee you. You have. People who say I've never seen anything paranormal. You have. Your brain won't let you comprehend it. And so I wonder how many times we see doppelgangers out there. How many times we've seen ourselves or other people in locations they shouldn't be. And our brain just goes, no, that's not right. How common are these doppelgangers? How common is this type of activity? It may happen a lot more than we think, and we're just not aware of it, or we see it, and our brain just goes, we, no, we can't comprehend that. And only in certain moments... Can we? And you know what's funny? With the first doppelganger story, that would make sense for everyone else to see her moving around. It wasn't It wasn't as reality-breaking as the second story, where she knew there was no one there. Everyone in that story, in the first story, that's what makes it so chilling. It was such a normal day. And yet this paranormal event happened. And you have to wonder, how often does this stuff happen? I think alien abductions are quite rare on a global scale. And I think that the, my whole thing with ghosts is I think ghosts are quite rare as well, which I find puzzling because millions and millions and millions and millions of people have died on this planet and there's not millions and millions and millions and millions of ghosts. So that's always been an interesting, an interesting conundrum with the ghost phenomenon. There's way less ghosts than there should be. There should be every single square foot of land should be haunted because somebody died a violent death everywhere at this point in human history doppelgangers are they more common than a ufo abduction are they less we don't see a lot of stories with them but actually let's wrap this episode up that was just me kind of philosophizing on it i think actually the scariest thing about doppelgangers and this is a real quick wrap up is let's say doppelgangers are not incredibly common but they're more common than you would think that you most likely have at some point in your life met a loved one's doppelganger 
you thought it was them, you're interacting with them, and then you went home, and they were at home, and you, you don't really think about it. You go, that's weird. They seem to be pretty fast, or maybe you question them, and they seemed a little puzzled. But what if that is happening more often than we think? And that's all just innocent stuff. You're like, that's weird. I saw you in the kitchen, but then I went downstairs, and you were in the basement. You know, it's kind of weird. What about, what about those times when you accuse somebody of doing something, and they swear up and down they didn't do it? And you know that they did. You saw them there. You saw them there. Other people saw them there. And they swear they didn't do it. Maybe in the back of your mind you kind of believe them. But you you have to trust your eyes. If doppelgangers are real. And multiple people can mistake them for you. What about people convicted of crimes that they swear they didn't do it? relationships that ended because they swear they didn't cheat on you what if doppelgangers are one of the most common paranormal phenomenon and not only is is it the most common it's actually the most disastrous someone sees a ghost walking around your house you're not going to accuse somebody of adultery but if you saw your loved one at a bar with somebody else but they were really sleeping at home in bed waiting for you Doppelgangers may be the most dangerous paranormal phenomenon out there. How can you know what's true when you can't even trust your own eyes? DeadRabbitRadio at gmail.com is going to be our email address. You can also hit us up at facebook.com slash deadrabbitradio. Twitter is at deadrabbitradio. And deadrabbitradio is the daily paranormal conspiracy and true crime podcast. You don't have to listen to it every day. Glad you listened to it today. Have a great one, guys.